um, which is a bit unusual for me. You go to church the day before Christmas Eve and you expect to hear something about Christmas, but that's not really my speed. I don't, I don't, I know, I, I remember, um, I grew up with preachers that they would preach like Arbor Day messages. I mean, it's like, if there's a holiday, I've got a message for it. And, you know, this is your know, Veterans Day and you know, everything is uh, St. Patrick's Day. Here's the story of St. Patrick. Here's the story of St. Valentine. I'm not that kind of way. I don't have all these holiday messages tucked away. Um, but because I spent the last week really immersed in Christmas, the Christmas spirit, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about it today. And um, what really has stuck out to me um, this time of the year, more so than others, is that this season's all about children, right? It's just, it's all about the kids. I mean, they are really the source of um, what makes this season magical. I mean, if we remove them from, from this whole equation, it, it would just really not be a special time of the year at all. And it's really their, it's the children's excitement and joy and love and energy and anticipation and thankfulness. That's really what fuels our passion and empties our bank account, you know, as adults, right, for Christmas. It's, 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 it's solely alone, you know, that, that, all that all that happens. And it makes us return to kids again, really, through, through our kids and grandkids and nieces and nephews and neighbors. We, we, we embrace that inner childlikeness again um, that otherwise we would suppress you know, throughout the rest of the year. I mean, think about the things that we do at Christmas time. It's it's so, you know, childlike, right? We're, put, we're out there stringing lights, putting lights outside and putting up a, how big of a Santa Claus can I blow up and put in my yard? And, you know, let's drink hot cocoa 24-7 and eat sweets. And like, it's it's like we take this one time of the year and all of this adulting that we've been trying to do all year, we're like, ah, forget about all that. It's Christmas. We're having cookies for dinner, you know, and and the kids love it because you know we're 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 gonna stop suppressing it and we're just gonna become like kids again, and um, it's been it's it kills our waistline, and we avoid the scales entirely. <laughs> uh, but as I was thinking about it this week, I was thinking about how simple the concept is that we would just return to this childlike state for like a month of the year. And I was just reminded of how clearly it portrays the gospel and God's plan for us. It's all about becoming a kid again. I mean, you just read the gospel and you just read through uh, the way that Jesus taught everyone. And and time and time and time again, he was really encouraging them to, to have Christmas spirit, so to speak, to go into a childlike state of living. And I want to talk about that Um Today, and I want to start in John chapter 3, and um, I'm going to talk about this story, I guess I'll actually pick up, and yeah, it'll be 3, it'll be verse 1 of 3, and I'm going to talk about this story with um, Nicodemus. And uh, I heard a joke, I think it was Jeff Foxworthy, he said, you might need to go to church more often if you think Nicodemus is a quit smoking patch. <laughs> there, it says, um, John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, there was a man named Nicodemus, a, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. And he said, Rabbi, We all know that God has sent you to teach us 
Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. And um, I'll go on just a little bit further. Nicodemus, this has really tripped up Nicodemus. And he said, how are these things possible? Jesus replied, you're a respected Jewish teacher, yet you don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe me? When I tell you about earth, about heavenly things, no one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in Him will have eternal life. And this, this passage, you know, it, it's, it's funny to us now. We, we were studying this not long ago in our Wednesday night service, actually. And... Um, but, but I want to talk about it specifically from, from just a small segment of that passage because it really trips up Nicodemus because he's, he's sought out Jesus late in the evening, right? And, and he's really wanted to get him one-on-one and ask him these, these, these deep questions. And, and he's saying, we're, we're, we're really, we've seen your miracles. We know God is with you. And he's expecting some sort of profound insight from Jesus. And, and as so often Jesus did, what he supplied them, the, the words, they were... They were confused by it and unhappy with because they were difficult words. And what he says here is, you must be born again. He says, you must be born again. Nicodemus goes, this doesn't make any sense. How can an old man return again to his mother's womb? You know, it doesn't make any sense. That doesn't even physically, it's not possible. That doesn't, you know. And he's trying to grasp it. And Jesus said, no, I'm not talking about that, that sort of water birth, natural birth. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. Anyone who wants to go where I'm going, they can't be old. They have to be young. People don't realize the kingdom of heaven is not full of old folks. There, matter of fact, they're not even allowed. <laughs> right? They are no, there's not a senior citizen or a handicapped sparking spot in heaven. It's all new people. It's all young people. It's all babes and kids. That's what heaven is full of. Because Jesus, he says, you must be born again. You must have a spiritual birth in order to go into the kingdom of heaven. And he says, I know Nicodemus, I know you've spent all this time becoming older and wiser and having more stature and having your Roth IRA and and, and all this nice stuff and you finally have a a little bit of a savings and everything's working out well for you and you've got gray hair on your chin and, and you think life's over and he's saying, but honestly Nicodemus, I'm saying you've got to start over. It's not the end. In fact, it's the beginning. He says, in order to go where I came from, you have to be born again. And, and as, as crazy as this was for Nicodemus, one of my favorite things about Jesus is, 
that if you look through the gospel, you will find that he never tells anyone to do anything that he's not already done himself. Right? And so just literally you can go through here and you can read his instructions and see that he never tells people to do something that he's not already done again. So, so do, you, do you know the whole story behind why we celebrate Christmas is because Jesus became a child? He who was God seated in the heavenly realm was born again. He shrunk down and belittled himself to the stature of a child to set the example for this is how you go where I came from. You become small. You become an infant. Isn't that a crazy thing to think that God himself became an infant? You know, but that's why we celebrate this time of the year. And we always celebrate it as if it was the beginning of Jesus' life. But he actually had already been in heaven, but actually belittled himself, so to speak, and shrunk down to the size of just a child to be born in earth. And he sets the example. So when he tells Nicodemus, you must be born again, this isn't, this isn't um, hypothetically, he's speaking from experience. He's saying, I've done this. I've been born of the Spirit. I've been born on earth. And so he's saying, this is the type of birth that you have to have, Nicodemus, to go where I came from. And um, even in, uh, you don't have to go there, but in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus was born. And that's how I was born too, of the Spirit, right? Have you experienced that birth? That, that It's a second birth. It's being born again. It's not, it's not the one where they did the little stamp on your foot and put it on there and it said that you were seven pounds, two ounces. It's not that kind of birth. Have you experienced this second birth where you felt a transition in your life from getting older to becoming young again? Where, where a moment when your problems disappeared and new power comes upon you, when your old life and habits vanish and your new patterns and your purpose appear? Because that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, born again. Have you experienced that? Where you went again, when you went from old to young. In Matthew um, 18, you can go there if you want to. Matthew 18, 3, it, it says, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. You know, it's funny, it's because, like, I think about, you always tell people, like, grow up. I wish you'd just grow up. You need to grow up, right? You know, I think that about my kids and, and, and people are ever saying it to me, you know. And it's funny because it's like, you look at the gospel and Jesus never says that to anyone. He's got the exact opposite mentality. He's going around and he's saying, I wish you'd just shrink down. I wish you'd just, I wish you would just act a little bit less than your age. I wish you would become a kid again. I wish you would be childlike. I wish you'd quit being so old and so stale and so bitter. He says, why don't you just be like a kid, right? And it's funny because it's, it's so adverse from our way of thinking because we think we have to get more dignified and have more stature and get older and, and more stuck in our ways. And Jesus is saying, unless you become like a child, unless you become born again, start over, become like a babe again, then you'll never go where I, where I, where I come from. Uh, Jesus said, I've come to make all things new. What's the opposite of new? 
old, right? I have come to make all things new. Even a few verses down uh, below Matthew 18, 3, it's like 18, 6, I think it says um, that you would be better off drowning in the ocean with a millstone tied around your neck than, than to make a child of God stumble. That's how passionate Jesus was to children and childlikeness. Was, you know what? If you were to go around and tell people who have an innocence of heart or a childlike enthusiasm or faith to them, if you were to go around and try to tempt them or make them stumble in any way, that you would be better off with a brick tied around your neck and thrown into the ocean. That's how passionate I am about children. That's how much I despise people who, 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 who that that way of living when you're old and um so i was thinking about it and you could write a few of these down if you want to but i was thinking about what is it about children in particular that the holy spirit begins this work in us transforming us into what are the qualities that he returns to us because it's funny because it's like we naturally have all these childlike qualities and then as we grow up, we lose them. We lose these things about us that children already have. And then we mature into adulthood. And really, what God wants to do is He's given us His Holy Spirit to then actually return so many of these qualities that we were born with. Because remember, we were made in God's image from the start, right? And so what happens is, as we lived in this tarnished world, so many of these qualities that children naturally possess dissipate from us. And then when we're born again, the Holy Spirit says, I want to bring those back. I'm going to do a new thing in you. You're born again. You're becoming like a child again. And I'm doing these things in you. So there's about four things that the Lord put on my heart this week that I believe children have. That when we let the Holy Spirit be born within us, that He brings these things back. And the first one is their faith. It, 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 children's faith is unwavering and it's completely based on just belief itself, you know? Right? Like, like I've got kids in here. Um, so like, oh, the kids are in here. <laughs> ah. um, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, kids don't need evidence right, or eyewitness accounts or anything, right, you tell it to them, and that's just the way it is, right, right, you know, Santa Claus comes around the world, we all know that, we believe that, right, and, you know, he comes around the world, he somehow magically hits everybody's house, doesn't miss a single one, right, nobody, nobody, no kids sitting around on dry race for doing the math on that, well, I don't know, how, how is it, you know, he's got to move at like the speed of light, <laughs> no, but they don't care, what matters is, I wake up Christmas, and, he, and the presents are there, so it, this thing's like real, mm-hmm. right? Like, and that's it, period. And, and they have that kind of faith. And, um, you know, I, I could tell Levi something, and because I'm his father, he believes me, because he's my child, and, and he never says prove it, right? He just trusts it, you know? And, and, and that, that's the kind of faith that the Holy Spirit wants us to have. That's the kind of faith the Holy Spirit gives us, is that, that we can have faith. Hebrews says that faith is the evidence of what's seen. It, it doesn't need proof. It is the proof. right? I've known so many people that think that they can persuade people into believing that, that God is real and giving them all this evidence and all this stuff, and they'll devote their life to that. And I'm like, you don't prove it. You need the Holy Spirit to give you that faith. I mean, I can give you all the facts if you want to, but... It's not going to matter. I could give you guys all the facts for Santa Claus too. It probably wouldn't change your mind before you leave here, right? Mm-hmm. 
But if the Holy Spirit would become, uh, would, would be born within you and make you like a child again, then you would have the faith of a child that doesn't need evidence or proof or eyewitnesses. You just know within everything within you that this is real, that He's real. And, and, and it's not just faith in God's existence, in humanity. When I talk about faith, I, I, it's so immature that, I, that you would think that I just mean like that there is a God. I, I, when I talk about faith, I'm talking about not God's existence, but God's existence in your situation. That's the kind of faith that we need. It's not, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have days. I've been, I've been following Jesus long enough that I can be honest with you and say I don't have days where my faith that there is a God wavers. But a lot of times my faith that God is in my situation does. You know, when that bank account's $45 overdrawn, that's when I need the faith of a child that says, it'll be in there. It'll be in there. It always is. He's God. It always will be, right? You can't, are your kids nervous right now leading up to Christmas? I don't know if there'll be presents under the tree or not. Oh. It always has been before, but I just don't know about this year. I don't know. I don't know if they're going to be there. I mean, they're not there. I see the tree. It's empty. The tree skirts there, but there's no presents. And are the presents coming? I'm freaked out. I need Xanax here. Kids, they're not doing that. Right? They're not doing that. Why? Because there's always been presents under the tree before, right? Why wouldn't there be this year? They have that faith. And that's the kind of faith that the Holy Spirit gives us is rent's always been paid before. It'll be paid again. Right? He's always seen me through this before. He's always held my hand through this difficult situation before. He'll do it again. That's the kind of faith that the Holy Spirit alone gives us. We don't acquire that naturally. Okay? Because as we get older, we lose it. As we get older, year by year, while we're living in the natural body, we lose our faith. Little by little, little by little. As the older we get, the less we believe. But God says, when you're born again, I want to restore that in you. I want to bring back that childlike faith that when I say something, you believe it. That you don't second guess it. That you stand on what my word says and it's fact, not fiction anymore. That, that's, that's the type of faith that, that, that the children have that God wants to bring about in us through his Holy Spirit. The second one is children's audacity to dream. I love that nothing is really too big to aspire to do or be as a child. I love asking kids, what do you want to do? What do you want to be when you grow up? What you, and it's, all, it's, never, it's very rarely, sometimes it's something kind of humble, but a lot of times it's big. It's these big things, right? Um, I was just talking with Lauren or, uh, yesterday in the car. I was like, I wish I would have dreamed for something more practical, like when I was a kid, like to be like a mechanic or, or uh, something, you know, uh, a welder or, or <laughs> something like that, go to be a barber. But like when I was a kid, it was just like, what do you want to do? Is like, I want to be in movies. I want to be like, I want to be famous. I want to be whatever. Because I could, but that was a dream that I had, right? And that, it didn't matter if that was realistic or that it was difficult. Who cares? I'm a kid. I can do and be whatever I want to. I want to be, I remember being five or six years old. I want to be an astronaut. Big deal. <laughs> that's who I'm going to be, right? Like, I've seen the movies. I like the suit. I can do it. That's, that's the way kids are. They have that audacity to dream. But as we mature, we, we lose our fearlessness to succeed in what God has for us. And, you know, we, all of a sudden, God wants us to do things. And we don't believe that it could even happen. You know, I mean, how many people God could tell you right now, hey, I want you to go move to, um, you know, Kansas and you're going to go do my work there. And you would immediately like, no, I'm not. But a kid, whatever. Hey, you're going to do this. Okay. Whatever. Sure. You know, it's to be honest with you, 
And if you're, if you consider yourself older or a senior, I'm not being mean to you guys. Um, but you know, statistically, the hardest group of people to minister in a church are those who are more wise. <laughs> this senior, most people, um, they're next to impossible to minister to in the church. Been there, done that. They don't want to do anything new. They already did that. They're old. They're tired. Right? And it's, it's, it's crazy because you minister to the youngest, and they've got, they've got the belief, the faith, and the audacity to dream that they can do anything. But they don't have the resources to actually pull any of it off. <laughs> and then you get old, and I can't get you to believe that you could do jack squat, but you actually have the resources to be able to pull it off. You know? And so the Holy Spirit, He wants to restore again in us a dream that we could actually do something big. That, that, that you know, who cares? Who am I? Who cares? If God wants to do something big in me, then He'll do it. I mean, we've got to believe whether we're eight years old or 80 that, that God could put me on the moon if He wants me there. Right? You know, um, it's, like, it's like Joel chapter 2, verse 28. It says, When the Holy Spirit falls, it causes old men to. Dream, right? It says your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Again, a, a side effect of the Holy Spirit is that childlike wonder that causes us to dream again, to reimagine what's really impossible, and, and to believe it doesn't matter what age you are. If you still got breath in your lungs, there's still purpose for my life, right? And that's what you struggle with. As we get older, we start thinking that purpose was in the past, that there's nothing new for us, you know, especially as people have children, and then the children leave the house. You guys know there's always a big, that's, that's always a really difficult season, and I've not walked it, but it's difficult for a lot of people, and as, as I can imagine, because so much of what your purpose was walks out the door, and now you don't believe that there's anything for me anymore, but God says through the Holy Spirit, I have a plan for you, right? You know how many of the people God used in the Bible to do crazy things that were really old? <laughs> Like time and time again, if you just go through and look at these stories that you pictured young men doing or young women doing, a lot of times they were far older than you would imagine, 80, 100 years old. And, and I mean, because there's no, there's no expiration. Some of the best things that God has for you might be not when you're 20 or 30 or 40, it may be when you're 80. Why, why, why put an expiration date on yourself, right? God's got plans for you. And if he didn't, you'd already be with him. And... Um, the third thing is um, their, their newness. They, they haven't been here long. I love that. They're not controlled by hurts, habits, hang-ups, pain. Um, think about how much of what has happened to you actually controls you. You know, like insecurities and things like that. Well, you know, if you're kind of introverted like I am in, in times and places, why don't you just walk up to somebody and you be like, Hey, how you doing? I'm Steven. It's so great to meet you. You having a good weekend? Everything going great, right? Well, when I was four years old, I would do that. And, and, and people would say that my personality has changed or developed or whatever, but what's really happened is the things that have happened to me have changed me, right? Because you go up to one person one time and they look at you like they want you to go jump in a lake and you don't do that again, right? <laughs> you walk up to somebody one time or one, you know, something happens, you feel embarrassment for the first time, you feel pain for the first time, something happens and you begin to go, oh, I need to mature past this. You know, I, there's, I remember when I was like four or five years old, 
I stood up in a restaurant on the table and I sung Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer to the whole room. <laughs> right? I've not done that since. Okay? <laughs> but it brought so much joy to the room. I didn't care. I didn't know those people. I've never seen them since. But, but that's what you do as a child because you're not controlled by the things that have happened to you. You know what I mean? It's like... You know, all these things in our lives, they just naturally start to create what we call a personality for us based off of all the things, the failures and the rejection and all the things. And we begin changed. But God, he actually wants to restore us to our state without blemish, without insecurities. Insecurities aren't from the Holy Spirit. You know, I mean, Jesus restores, write this down, Jesus restores our innocence again because he took our guilt upon himself. He wants us, he wants to restore us to innocence again. He does. We always talk talk, talk about innocence like it's a bad thing. Oh, they're so innocent. That's what Jesus wants to do to us. He wants to make us innocent again. That's why he stood and said, "I'll, I'll, I'll pay the price because I want to make them innocent again. I want to restore them again to like children, to be born again, to be like a child. You know, by the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, we are becoming new again, unashamed, untarnished, without blemished, unaffected by what previously has affected us. And that's why when you're when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you'll you'll do things that are irrational. All the time, I'll be in prayer and the Lord puts somebody on my heart. And I'll call them, or I'll text them, or whatever. That's not me. I wouldn't even do that. You know what I mean? Me would talk myself out of it. You know, like it would be a text, like I'm praying for you. Hope you're having a great week, or something like that. But if I'm not under the under the uh, influence of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to talk myself out of that. Well, what if they're, you know, I don't know. What do they do? Maybe they're just probably busy right now. They don't want to. They don't want to hear from me, or you know, I don't know. Maybe they'll think that I think something's wrong. Because I told them that I was praying that they'd have a good week. Maybe they think that I think that they're having a bad week. And I don't want them to think that I think that they're having a bad week. Because I don't really know what kind of week they're having. But, um, <laughs> right? That's because of, because of all these insecurities. And then I've gotten, like, there's like that one time when I, you know, you did tell someone, like, hey, I'm praying for you. And they're like, yeah, thanks, I don't need it. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Just keep my prayers to myself then. Right? You know? Oh, I remember, I, remember, I invited somebody to church. Okay, so we were one, we were out one time we were out one time doing miracle marathon. Okay, and you guys know we that's where we go out. We take money and we go out. We just bless people, do miracles at our community, invite people to church, all that good stuff. Well, because I'm so introverted, and you think I'm the pastor, it'd be real. Oh, I just go around and invite people to church all the time. No, like that's a big deal for me. I try to invite people. Don't get me wrong, but it's not. It is outside of my comfort zone. Okay, I just walk up to every person. I mean, hey, you doing? I'm pastor, and you should come visit church sometime. That's not like the Holy Spirit's got to. Push me to do that kind of stuff. Now, some of you guys, you're extroverted. Pfft, no big deal. Well, we're out doing miracles or whatever. I haven't, this particular day, I hadn't invited anybody to church. Lauren had been doing all the talking. I'm the introvert. She's the extrovert. She's, yeah, I'm coming to church sometime. She kind of had a little spill going on that I was hearing. You know, it was like, we've got, we've got breakfast every week. We've got coffee. You should come. And everybody's like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So we go, we meet this one lady, we bought her sandwich or something at Subway, and for whatever reason, I'm just like, yeah, you should come see our church sometime. We've got breakfast every week and coffee, and the lady goes, breakfast and coffee at a church? Sorry, I'm just, 
I'm just kind of old-fashioned. Uh, but that's good that you guys do that. And I'm like, oh! Ah, the one time, Lord! All day long, people are like, breakfast, that's awesome, I'll come early, I'll bring my own fork! You know? And this one lady looks at me like I just cussed her out because I offered her a cup of coffee before church. You know? And so, well, anyways, the whole point of that is that, what does that do? That produces in me an insecurity, you know? And now, I do, like, sometimes I have to second guess whether or not I'm going to tell somebody that we've got coffee at this church or not. Because I don't want to offend you with my Folgers. You know? But, but when I'm a child, when I become like a child, and the Holy Spirit renews me, I don't care. I'm going to say what, I, what, what, what the Holy Spirit tells me to say. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm not controlled by what life has done to me. And so I love how that's what, what Jesus restores in us. Again, it doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter, you know, I mean, and there's even more serious things that people go through. You know, people come from uh, incredible trauma, abuse, you know. I mean, I've been around people before, you know, who, whose, whose fathers beat them as children. And, and they would flinch when they, your hand moved too close to them. Right? Jesus takes that away too. He takes it all away because he, he bore it all on the cross for us so that all of that could go away and that we could become new again. The, the most serious of insecurities and pain and hurt and shame, even to the most minor, like asking people for, if they want to come to our church to have breakfast, he takes it all away. And that's what I love about children is they have, they have an un, they're unashamed. They have a newness about them. And um, the fourth and final thing... <laughs> And you're going to think this one's a little funny, but um, I love that they have a desire for gifts. I love that they, they, they do. They desire gifts. They desire stuff. There's not a child on this planet that doesn't want a gift this time of year especially, right? They don't even care what it is. You know, I mean, you. I'm telling you guys, we don't have to spend nearly as much money as we think we do. We could probably just wrap up knickknacks and junk around our house. And a lot of times they would enjoy it just as much because it's the process. Like, it's opening it up and it's exciting and this is new and I don't have this thing. And, oh, it's a left sock. Oh, I've been wanting a left sock. You know? I mean, like, but you think, well, that's so weird that, that, that you think we should have that quality again. But, but look, at, um, look at what Paul said. In 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, Paul's talking to the church at Corinth. And in chapter 12, verse 31, Paul says, So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. And he's talking about all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and, and he's talking, if we actually if we back up a little bit, how about we start in 29? He says, are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in tongues? Do we have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. When, whenever we become born again, it puts a yearning in us to have more and more of God. We want more of Him. We want more. We want His gifts. We want His stuff. We want His qualities within us. We're not complacent. We're not okay with what we have. If God has it, we want it. 
I want his strength. I want his power. I want his ability to raise the dead. I want his ability to lay hands on the sick. I want his ability to see blinded eyes open. I want to see deaf ears open. When we become like children again, we want those gifts, right? We want them. We want what God has. We want our Father to give us things, right? And not money, not tangible, not not physical things. We want these spiritual gifts from the Lord. We desire them when we become like children again. And I titled my message today, Unto Us, um, uh, because, you know, in Isaiah chapter 9, it says, Unto Us a Child is Born. But this week, what I was thinking about is, I believe among us, God wishes to make many more of His children. Many more sons and daughters conceived by the power of His Holy Spirit, if we will allow Him to. Jesus Jesus isn't the only one that God conceived by the Holy Spirit. He wants to conceive you by the Holy Spirit. He wants new life. He wants you to be born again. He doesn't want Jesus to be the only babe born of Him. He wants you to be born of Him. He wants to restore you to a childlike state again. He wants you to look and live like Jesus. And so, I read this quote. I thought it was pretty good. It said, A thousand times in history... A baby has become a king to rule a nation. But only one time has a king become a baby to save all the nations. And I thought, that's really the gospel message. Not to go from rags to riches. It's really to go from riches to rags. Right? As Jesus was seated in the heavenly place and belittled himself, humbled himself to come to earth. From exalted to humbled, from adult to child all by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what God wants to do in your life again. I I mean, that's what He wants to do in your life today. I mean, right now, as He wants to shrink you down, He doesn't want you to grow up. He doesn't want you to become old and bitter and tired and without a dream and without faith and without a desire for gifts. He wants you to become like a child again. And the, the wonder that we experience this time of the year through our children, He wants us to live that way all 12 months of the year, right? He's okay with hot cocoa at lunch. <laughs> he is. He wants us to become like children again and, and, and the, in the important matters. And it's the Holy Spirit that does that work within us. Whenever we invite Him to, when we invite Jesus to be born in our hearts, we'll experience that new birth for ourselves. We'll be born again. The old will be gone and the new will come, right? And so this, this morning... If 